Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today I'm covering 1 Chronicles 4 and 5, Proverbs 25, and Philippians 2. So we're Kingdom.Think. We're reading the Bible in one year, and we are moving right along. We're almost done with Proverbs, which is crazy. Um, we've done all of Psalms and then Proverbs. So there's three sections. There's the Old Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, New Testament. We're almost done with the Psalms, Proverbs section. And then it'll just be old and new, and then we'll be done with new honestly, very quickly, and then it'll just be old. So that's how it goes to complete the Bible in one year. Um, but in Proverbs, I like to read straight away, straight from it, because it's hard to um, summarize a Proverbs. As we move into 25, and when I read this, I'm like, well, I don't understand what it said. That's not actually true, but it was more like my brain got a little bit lazy from the previous Proverbs because they were so straightforward. You know, it just says, do this or don't do that. It was very easy to understand. This one, you might have to put your thinking cap on a little bit. Have your critical thinking. And then you'll be able to understand a little bit more. So here we go. Proverbs 25. These are more Proverbs of Solomon compiled by the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Which is interesting because now that we read the Old Testament, we know Hezekiah. And um, that name sounds familiar. And we remember when he was king and... I'm pretty, Hezekiah, good guy, right? Okay, so here we go. It, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. As the heavens are high and the earth is deep, so the hearts of kings are unsearchable. Remove the cross, no, I'm sorry, not cross. Remove the dross from the silver and a silversmith can produce a vessel. Remove wicked officials from a king's presence, and his throne will be established through righteousness. Do not exalt yourselves in the king's presence, and do not claim a place among his, his, his great men. It is better for him to say, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. What you have seen with your eyes, do not bring hastily to court. For what will you do in the end if your neighbor puts you to shame? Oh, I'm going to read that one again. What you see with your eyes, do not bring hastily. In other words, if you're going to go to court, think it thoroughly. If you're going to, yeah, not just legal court. Yes, legal court. But if you're going to present something, don't be hasty. Stop. Think. Um, for what will you do in the end if your neighbor puts you to shame? If you take your neighbor to court, do not betray another confi another's confidence, or the one who hears it may shame you, and the charge against you will stand. Ouch. So be careful who you confide in, especially if you think they're on your side, because you don't know what the future holds, and they may betray you, or tell your evidence, um, which would be telling your plan, or... Well, a lot of ores. Just be careful who you speak to. Like the apple of gold in setting of silver. Like the apples of gold in setting of silver is a ruling rightly given. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is the rebuke of a wise judge to a listener's ear. Like a snow-cooled drink at harvest time is a trustworthy message, messenger to the one who sends him. He refreshes the spirit of his master. The, like the clouds and winds, 
without rain, is one who boasts of gifts never given. Through patience a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Whoa. Through a patient... Though patience, a, a ruler can be persuaded. No, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded. And a gentle tongue can rebuke a bone. If you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it and you will vomit. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you and, you will, and he will hate you. <laughs> like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is the one who gives false testimony against a neighbor. Like a broken tooth or a lame foot is a, re- is a reliance on the unfaithful in time of trouble. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like the vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. So he's talking about the enemy here. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Someone did that in the Old Testament. I think it was Elisha did that in the Old Testament. One of the prophets, I think it was Elisha, and the king was so upset. Then after that, he went and wanted to kill Elisha. I might be butchering that story, but I remember something like that. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Like a north wind that brings unexpected rain is a sly tongue which provokes a horrified look. Like a north wind that brings unexpected rain is a sly tongue, which provokes a horrified look. Better to live in a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Okay, repeat that. What? That was repeated twice on a previous um, chapter. Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. Like a muddling spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. It is not good to eat too much honey, nor is it honorable to search out matters that are too deep. Wow. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Okay. There you go. That was Proverbs 25. Um, What is Paul doing in Philippians? Of course, he's talking to the people of Philippi. I'm just going to read a few pieces because he didn't. He didn't have a huge lesson on this one other than this part. Wait, two parts, two distinct areas. Therefore, if you have any, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you comfort from his love, if any common sharing in that spirit, if any tenden- tenderness and compassion, one might, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. So he's ask, telling the people, be united, be in one, in like-minded. Think of others first. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Okay, that's very cool. He also talks about grumbling. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. This is the second, the middle portion of chapter two. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So 
do what you got to do. If you got to work, you got to tend to your family. If you have to approach difficult situations, just do it without grumbling or arguing so that you become blameless and pure. Not because, so you could be a goody two-shoes or be called perfect or because you're striving for something or because you want to look a certain way. You make these choices in life to not grumble, to be to do righteous decisions so that you could be blameless and pure in heart and found without fault in this warped and crooked generation. That's just the way it is. So choosing good is often ridiculed by a wicked and warped, crooked generation. But don't stop from doing that because you will shine among like you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Isn't that so good? Okay, that was him talking to the people of the or talking to the Philippines of Philippi. Moving on to First Chronicles four and five. Of course, we're just listing names. And a couple of things that come to mind. And I'm sure you might have thought the same thing. It's like, why is Judah the head honcho? Or why did Jesus come from the line of Judah versus Reuben or Levi, who were the older brothers? And I don't totally have the answer. Um, It has something to do with they did wrong in the eyes of the Lord. Um, Oh, I know it said it somewhere. That, wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. Uh, Reuben, he defiled his father's marriage bed. I don't remember what happened. I know we read it in the Old Testament, but I'm not going to go into details because I don't remember the specifics and we'd have to go back. But we did read that. You probably remember. In chapter four, of course, we're listing the names. We're going through other clans of Judah. So we go into great depth, um, the line of Judah. So good in the previous chapter, and we're finishing off in chapter four. And I want to point something out because a long time ago, there was a book called The Prayer of Jabez. And I didn't know where it came from because I had never heard it before. Why do you think you never heard The Prayer of Jabez? Because nobody in their right mind reads the book of Chronicles. Why would you want to read name after name after name after name? You're like, okay, there's a lot of people. They had a lot of ancestors. Great. You don't really read name after name after name. To be honest, I've read this chap, this book a couple times. And I must have skimmed it because I didn't come across the prayer of Jabez, which is literally in the middle of chapter four, verse nine. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to God of Israel. Oh, that and this is in quotes. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. So somebody wrote a book on this. It was a very small book. And there were people starting whole movements just on this prayer. And of course it got criticized, you know, like, why are we praying for wealth or God's not a genie God? Um, So it was criticized. At the same time, people were using the prayer of Jabez and being blessed in their life. What's wrong with saying, hey, Jabez prayed this prayer. Why don't I repeat this prayer every single day in my life and see what happens? Um, it says, oh, that you would bless me and en- enlarge my territory. 
Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. He's not asking anything odd, nothing that he just eloquently says this beautiful prayer. Right in the middle in the middle of Chronicles. And then we just after that we just continue to list names. So if that's of interest to you, uh, write this one down. The prayer of Jabez right there. Chapter 4 of 1 Chronicles, verse 9. Then we move on to verse, I'm sorry, chapter 5. Um, what? We move on. This is where we talk about, now we're moving on to Reuben. This is where the question came up. Why is Reuben being talked about after Judah? When Reuben was the oldest, he should have had the birthright or the firstborn, because he was the firstborn. But what he did was he defiled his father's marriage bed. His rights as firstborn were given to the sons of Joseph and sons of Israel. So he could not be listed in, in the genealogical record in accordance with his birthright. I'm sure there's more. Oh, and though Judah was the strongest of his brothers and, and a ruler came from him, the rights of the firstborn belonged to Joseph. Okay, more to dig. That's worth digging into to find out what's that all about. Um, but we're not going to do that here, of course. Then we move on to the sons of Gad, and that's it. And then half the tribe of Manasseh at the end of chapter 5. That, my friends, was First Chronicles 4 and 5, Proverbs 25, and Philippians 2. Pretty quick, right? Hope you have a great day. And if you want to keep digging, dig into that Proverbs. If you want to be a little bit critical thinking, dig into um, Prayer of Jabez or even the story of Judah and why he was, you know, so highly esteemed. What's the story there? Have a great day, everyone, and I shall see you tomorrow.